Hello and welcome. I'm excited to announce that I've just released my first ebook and it's completely free just for you. And I guarantee if you love this show, you'll love this book. So go check it out after you finish listening at lukegreenheart.com forward slash free. Hello and welcome to The Selfish Podcast. Today's guest, Wilson Melancelli, is uh, someone I found online through Instagram who shares really not just inspiring content, but very informative and insightful content that I think can benefit a lot of people. And I'm excited to hear his story and how he came to be and to serve. So welcome, Wilson. Can you just share with the audience and myself, where in the world are you and what time of day is is it for you? Uh, So, uh, hello, everybody. Um, I am in Greece right now, and obviously with this uh, accent, I'm not Greek. <laughs> so right now I'm in Corfu. Um, we were, we've been here since the last how long now? Four, five months. We've arrived in Corfu. Beautiful place. Oh, I don't no. speak the language though. Yeah, and it's a quite a difficult one from what, I'm, what I understand from what I've heard. It's not the easiest yeah. language to to learn. Correct, uh, but thankfully my wife's Greek, so we're all right. Help a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what I like to do to get to know my guests and so the audience gets to know them uh, deeper is to go to the childhood. Can you paint me a picture of what your life was like, say, pre-10 years old? Huh. <clears throat> what was my life like then? Huh. I had a happy childhood, I suppose. Um, very active. Uh, uh, loved uh, sports, loved moving, uh, typical kid, you know, climbing, jumping things, stuff like this. Um, the thing that really connected me to what I uh, share and talk about uh, is this connection with flow. But the encounters I had at this young age, which were pointed me towards the, the flow state direction, I didn't know that terminology at that name at that time was inspired by my uncle and my great uncle who uh, at that young age I spent a lot of time with. So my uncle, my uncle Glenn, um, he was a a martial arts master and uh, taught me uh, some really key fundamentals on getting yourself uh, uh, attuned to this optimal state this inner uh, master, he would call it. Um, I remember when I was a kid, he sat me down in a quiet area and sat and told me three fundamental principles to get myself uh, into this specific state. And then I had a great uncle who um, was one of these old guys that had been through the war and uh, had some fantastic stories, full of energy, played the ukulele, but surrounded himself with books on Zen. Mm. So I had a, a heavy influence from a young age of this um, hidden wisdom, this hidden uh, truth that was around me. But as you could imagine, the outside didn't really uh, fluctuate like that. It was just that internal wisdom that I surrounded by. Yeah, nice and so powerful to have that influence so young. And how how was that with your parents? Because you said it's your uncles that brought that into your life. What about your father and your mother? How were they with, say, your uncle's presence in martial arts? Was it something they was interested in or not at all? 
Um, yes, you know, I, I think now when I look past, my father did heavily uh, influence me, but not in a direct way, more like creating the space for that to happen. Um, and the same with my mother would be the, the similar sort of approach where they had their opinions, but they never suffocated me uh, in any way to stop me growing uh, in a direction. Um, if anything, the, the, the lack of growth is really down to uh, ourselves, uh, stopping ourselves growing. Um, so, yeah, they, they created an environment coherent, coherent with that for me. So I was very fortunate. I mean, obviously, you'll have these sort of frictions with your, your parents. But I suppose when you get to a certain time, you can look back and realise uh, other things. Yeah, Yeah, martial arts influenced me very early on life and it came through Bruce Lee being first. I always find it interesting when you say flow because he has his famous uh, phrase, be like water. And Mm -hmm. um, it was his presence in my life at a young age that my brother influenced. I have an older brother who's about three years older than me. And we were going through a lot of chaos in our childhood. My mum had severe schizophrenia and was a single mum from when I was very young so it caused me a lot of turmoil from like seven years old um and it made me question life but it gave me a real heightened sense of awareness because i was looking at everyone else's situations and making comparisons and then i was always looking for figures of people that have control because there was such a lack of control in my environment and people like bruce lee came into my life and arnold schwarzenegger and i saw these people with these presence charisma and power and control so i was really influenced by them But it was like, as I went through my process of following them and studying them, realizing that martial arts isn't just about fighting. And it can be seen as that. And to a lot of people, it still is. And it's like what they're teaching is more like it's how to master the art of yourself. Your art is how you express yourself and you you emotionally express and you physically express. And practicing certain uh, teachings really brings that into balance so you can be that martial, that master of your expression. So I found that process to really be beneficial. So it's so amazing to hear that you had that as a influence in such a young age. What martial arts was it that your uncle practiced? Well, my, well, it's funny you're saying my uncle uh, practiced karate, but he never taught me karate. He would just teach me this the mystical part of it all, if you like. But martial arts that I did from a young age was actually Bruce Lee's martial art. Jeet Kune Do was the art that I surrounded myself with at a young age. And my influences are, are very much similar to yours. I, I think maybe we grew up with the, <laughs> the same timing. But um, yeah, Bruce Lee's influence was there. And Jeet Kune Do, which is such a, a wonderful art, because really it's about the martial art of yourself, if you like. Everything's unique to the, the individual. So that really resonated with me. And if, if I look on it, it kind of uh, led me to the direction I, I'm in, you know, having no way as way and having no limitations as limitations is really something that still resonates with me. Yeah. How, how was your school life when you was a child? How was school? Uh, well, I'm <laughs> dyslexic. So being at school with dyslexia at those times, I suppose, was okay. But it, I really struggled with uh, school. Uh, I really struggled with reading, writing, um, these sort of things. Uh, that was the, the, the obstacle with me. 
But in the other aspect, I was social environment that uh, that wasn't a problem. The only time it was really magnified was when I was at school. But like schooling, you know, as in when you're with your friends, that, that it never really had an effect. However, um, the dyslexia obstacle, like childhood, if you like, uh, has really been um, the best thing that could ever happen because it's formed and everything's formed the direction I've taken right now. I don't think anybody would have thought that I would have written so many books and writing another one as we speak. Oh, nice. That's something I can relate to. I didn't. I still don't know the definition of what dyslexia is, but I've been told that's what I have. <laughs> and I didn't realize in school, like I, I've always seen words and numbers weren't too much of a problem, but I can't remember more than three numbers in a row, no matter how hard I try. They just, I have to write them down or when I go to rewrite it down, it's all in a jumble. It's never the same. But when I see words, I can't remember. I just don't see them correctly. Like I'll see signs and I read it and it says something totally different when I first see it. And everything I see is in a little bit of a muddle. Um, and I didn't know in school this was an issue. I could never learn languages. Languages were incredibly difficult. It just did not work. But I learned to, it gave me an insight. Like now I see, I break down words into what has a meaning for me, whether the definition is correct or not. I see the word and it gets dissected into pieces. And then it gives like a layers and layers of meanings for me to, to use the word. Um, how, do, how would you define dyslexia in, in your experience? Honestly, I don't really put my attention towards it because uh, I'm only looking on advancing forwards. Uh, and, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not uh, squashing down your question with that look at all. I'm just saying no. that um, the definition can be consuming. And the more I give light to it, then the more it could be giving light to uh, reasons for me not to do anything, reasons for me not uh, writing, reasons for me not accomplishing certain things. So regardless of what the mainstream version of what dyslexia is, I like to just focus on what do I need to accomplish, what do I need to be able to uh, contribute to the world. And if it means writing, then uh, I've got to deal with the tools I have uh, and produce it. I, also, just a heads up, man, I, I, tend to, I tend to swear. So I'm doing my best. If, words, if a swear word slips out, I apologize. Oh, that's okay. There's no problem. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, because it's the same for me. Like I don't like labels in any form in any in any way. So I don't say to myself, "Oh, I've got dyslexia." It's not something I own or something I I have. It's just something other people have told me. So yeah. I'm just like, this is uh, you know, it's like wh whatever that label is. Um, but yeah, so that's what I was interested. In. But like you said, I don't like to give power to anything that could raise that say state that it's giving you a limitation or an inability to do something or struggle and it's just like it doesn't matter slightly similar for myself I've got books and stuff I'm in writing I haven't released any yet but even when I do posts on social media and stuff I get my partner to proofread stuff I'm like just double check me and just like yeah this is <laughs> yeah, just yeah. I did I did the exact same yeah I'm, I'm, my wife is my uh, uh proofreader yeah, but I think like it seems the people that say they've got this lecture from what, I, what I've seen, like most of them are highly creative people. Um, mm. And I found like for me, like I love storytelling, like I write film scripts as well. And it's like wow. someone would say you can't write with this. Thing. And for me, it's like but I have such an imagination. I can see things in a certain way. And I love to put that. And part of that is putting it down in writing to some people love to read, you know. So it's like mm. that's a way to get through to people.
I prefer the video form or audio form because it just flows for me a lot is smoother. Yeah. Do you remember the first thing you like wanted to do, be or become when you was a child? Like the very first ambition you had? Well, I did. Uh, I did train, sort of work as a, a, a period. Of time. I was a stuntman, and uh, I think I remember when I was a kid. I maybe saw things, things like that on the TV, and it came to mind for a, a period of time, and then uh, diminished out. Um, but uh, I think that was really the only thing I remember as a kid that I wanted to do was along that sort of stuntman term. Uh, but really, the the good the, the thing that I'm doing now, um, however I got here, uh, fits well with me. Oh, nice. Yeah. What, what comes to mind when I say, "What was your earliest struggle in life?" I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm sorry for taking time to answer the questions, but I, no I don't problem. really have anything that uh, comes up. I, like I said. I, I, it's hard for me to sort of go back into the past with a lot of stuff because it, it doesn't. I don't really utilize it. I mean, I am a I am a version of what I've gone through, but I don't stretch back into the past very often. Um, struggles. I mean, probably a struggle is an opportunity. To be honest, um, I suppose when my father died would have been a struggle, but now I realize. Um, the opportunity that it created that sounds terrible to say but it really uh, did uh, pick up momentum and what i'm doing today due to it um does that yeah, no, question? yeah no it does yeah and i would say yeah it doesn't sound terrible to me i think it's a perception people can have that certain things are meant like they can have a say conformed belief system that things that could be seen as painful are meant to be always seen that way and it's like if someone passes the most beautiful thing we can do is take an opportunity from that moment not only does it honor that person and their life and their experience but it rewires our own perception of events and like you said makes you flow makes you stronger makes you more useful so like my mom passed away oh only a matter of months ago and um i'd been her full-time carer for nearly my entire life and you know, and it was a real, I always wanted to get her into a better place. I wanted to fix her health. I wanted so many things for her. And she, she passed away in a hospital um, in no way or form where I wanted. But I could have put myself into a state of pain and suffering for that experience. But I had to see her whole life and that experience as such a gift of insight to my life. And she's one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. And that's something I never thought I would say years ago because it caused me so much pain in the, in the time that I was in. I think it's beautiful that you can see the opportunity in your in your father's passing. What would you describe that opportunity as? Man, I mean, I, I, as you know, I, I teach people to get into uh, the full state. And we can label it in any way that we want, full state, presence, the now, the zone, whatever you want to call it. But there's an entry point for this, and you can split it into sort of key points. But let's say, for simplistic terms, there's four cycles to get yourself uh, into a flow state on a regular basis. You have the struggle, the release, the flow itself, and then you have the recovery portion. That struggle phase uh, is actually the door to flow, is actually the door to opportunity for you. So when you begin to understand that there is no necessarily any struggle, it's just opportunity 
for tapping into your flow, whatever skill that you're doing, then um, the the flow really for 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 me is being uh, the hidden beacon, the hidden lighthouse inside of me. So whenever I have been experiencing any struggle, I always kind of knew I was going somewhere, and that somewhere uh, is this uh, flow, this state of being, this moment, this nowness, whatever you want to describe it. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, no, and again, the word, it's just like, for me, the word opportunity came to me the other the other month or something. And like I said, with dissecting words, like yeah. I see I see the, the sort of life or your body as sort of like an instrument. And instruments out of tune play a horrible song and no one wants to play them. But when they're in tune, it's beautiful and people love to be around it. And that's like life. If you're playing life beautifully in the moment, it's a nice, beautiful song in tune. Like I said, yeah. and, and and when I see offer opportunity, to me, I see opportunity. Like it's an offer to be tuned. There's something that needs to be tuned from that experience. And you're getting a sort of a friction that's showing you that something might need tuning, you know, and getting into that state. and getting into the moment yeah sorry no the tuning is a great thing i use that as well tuning is great and just like all instruments when you play it it will get out of tune however then you retune it it's a consistent tuning that needs to be done you know so uh, uh, that expression of tuning is great but we're also we're constantly tuning we're constantly working on uh, the instrument as we our skills refine with this instrument we play, um, our tuning is going to evolve and change with it, always. Yeah, and there's so many ways to tune it and so many sort of chords you can play. And it's like uh, a musician will go out, if they've got a big performance, like a person doing some sort, if you've got some sort of big act, you know, they'll make sure before that their instrument's in tune. And they'll spend time making sure everything is set up and ready. Um, and for example, like before I do every podcast, I have a pre-podcast drink which is coconut oil, lemon, warm water, and honey. And mm -hmm. that helps keep my vocals smooth. It helps give me mental clarity. And it's like having them little pre-things, knowing certain tools to pre-tune yourself. You know, and I think like what you share and what you put out, it gives them tools and gives them information. So how did you get to a position where you decided that you're going to do what you're doing and actually connect with people and share this and help people with their flow? You know what, man? Uh, I've always done it. I think really all I've done is turn the volume up of what that is. I've always, uh, even I, I worked as a personal trainer a long, long time ago. And even as a personal trainer, I was pointing people into this specific state. Also teaching martial arts, I would point to the importance of this specific state. Um, so I've always really been doing it. I've always done it. It's just now that I've... Um, uh, become more comfortable in this expression. I've been more comfortable um, being or doing what I do. Sorry if that sort of doesn't sound like a very good reply, but I, no, I feel like I can, I've always been doing it. Yeah, no, I can really relate to that because that's similar for me. And I used to be a personal trainer as well, and um, I trained people more in sort of like bodybuilding personal training. And when I was doing that, like, if you're going to start to really push and you want to get your strength up and you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you, the weights could literally crush you, um, you need to be very present and aware. 
and part of like when I was training people, it's like bringing them into the moment, but like almost letting go of everything else in your life. So you're so present that your focus and your determination, everything is there and optimized, but you've got to not have a lot of stress in your system to be able to be your actually strongest. So all them little insights I got through through that. And when I train people, they would say things to me and I'd get the clients and people come in and being like, oh, I didn't realize that this is changing my life in so so many other means. They just come to gain some muscle, you know, and it's like it applies to everything. Um, so now I can really relate to that. And the move into social media for me and putting stuff literally online was like a really big step because it's a totally different uh, experience to one-on-one -on -one training. I didn't do any like group sessions with anyone. It was always sort of one-on-one -on -one because I like that real personal interaction and you can really focus on someone. Did you find there was like a coming out phase, I would call it, to like going onto YouTube, onto Instagram and onto social media? Um, well, to be honest, when I first started sort of getting involved in that, it was, uh, um, it was, a, it was a struggle and challenge for me at that point to be able to find uh, the opportunity or to remember the opportunity because when you're sharing something on uh, social media, you're, uh, especially when it's so deep, you are um, like you've stripped yourself off on social media. So it opens you up to potential ridicule from certain people. Um, and that's what I think I've faced a lot throughout the transition of turning the volume up and teaching uh, flow is, is that um, people's opinions of it all surfaced until I built up significant momentum where everybody that previously was um, uh, uh, pointing fingers and laughing is now saying I was with you the whole time. You're <laughs> awesome, supporting and encouraging you. So this is something that I constantly observe throughout uh, the social media engagement is the consistent push and pull that's going on where some people really resonate with you and other people don't. Um, but for me, that uh, social media side of things is perfect for refining your skills of flow, uh, refining your skills to be able to press on regardless of what uh, other people's views and opinions are. If you have a real strong connection of or mission or purpose or drive or your why, then it doesn't matter what anybody's saying. You just need to keep yourself going forwards, and that's really what I do. Yeah, no, great. And you said the word momentum, and this is a word that I've been uh, it's been flowing in a lot recently for me in the last year, say, or the last six months, especially because I see so many that uh, say getting inspiration and there's so many inspiring things in the world and then there's so many motivation and motivating things and I see that them two things people are so caught up in because they don't know the momentum um, to keep that sort of fire going they keep having to light the fire you know get it hot and then they let it die out and then they keep going back and forth it seems between inspiration and motivation but they lack momentum so how did you uh, get the momentum in your flow and how, how do you sort of, yeah, how would you teach or tell someone to keep momentum? Where does momentum come from? So um, the thing that comes to mind when we're discussing here is a neurotransmitter called uh, uh, dopamine. Dopamine mm -hmm. is your pursuit neurotransmitter. It's your hunter-gatherer neurotransmitter. I mean, it's also your uh, reward neurotransmitter, but really you want to think of that as your drive, your motivation. 
And dopamine plays a significant role in being able to sustain consistency, sustain momentum. You see, with dopamine, um, if you do not allow it to, first of all, express itself, but then recover from that expression, then you're going to be in a slow progression downhill. More, you want to think that every time that you have uh, accomplished something, you have hunted and gathered something, you will get a bigger reward of dopamine, okay? Now, after that big reward of dopamine, there's a dip that not naturally happens. It's like a recharge. It's like a refreshment, and it's like a recovery from it. But what a lot of people do is, is they hate that recovery portion. They hate the downtime that we express um, when we've gone through that. So what they do is, is they try and quickly get another dopamine hit so potentially they use uh, social media uh, to get this quick response, they use alcohol, they use something to make them feel better quickly so that they can hold on to this feeling of uh, euphoria, this feeling of um, uh, achievement, accomplishment. Whereas the real secret for sustaining momentum and consistency with everything is to allow that downtime to take shape. So when you your system has to recover, allow it to recover. Don't try and uh, trick your system or keep that high up. Allow it to replenish itself. This is how people will uh, establish consistency in whatever they're doing. Does this make sense? I can explain yeah. it more if you want. Yeah, no, it makes sense to me. It's something I was actually talking uh, with my brother about recently when we were talking about dopamine fasting. And, you know, actually for taking, I didn't realize I'd been practicing this. You know, it was just something along my process that I was doing with taking away as many temptations and things that you normally get, say, a fix from, things that you you almost have um, an addiction to without realizing, you know, certain things until you stop something, you don't realize you're addicted to it sometimes because not all addictions are just drug-based, you know. It's, like you said, it's addicted to that dopamine, that sense of achievement, that sense of gra uh, gratitude for something and you just can go through instant satisfaction. I can't say the word now, but you go through a sort of that sort of pleasure state, even if it's subtle, but when you sort of stop doing things, you realize how many things that you will just crave or want to go towards, whether it's food, uh, entertainment, uh, even socializing, lots of little things to bring yourself to a certain place. And uh, yeah, no, so that is, are you any experience with dopamine fasting? Is that something? Well, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, uh, you kind of want to think of incorporating that periodically throughout your day. So let's say, um, our nervous system has like waves and um, ebbs and flows to it throughout the day. So there's points of the day where it's aroused, switched on, and there's also points throughout the day where it needs to recharge and replenish. So if we know this, and for example, blocks of 90 minutes is peak focus and concentration, and blocks of 20 minutes is recharge and replenish. So in those blocks of 20 minutes, we need to recharge and replenish. If you eliminate things that are going to stimulate that dopamine response, like putting your phone on airplane mode, not checking your social media, minimizing those distractions, putting yourself into a meditative state, focusing on breathing exercises, or focus on, on activities that will encourage your recharge, replenishment, then it's the same idea as that dopamine fast. You're kind of cocooning yourself uh, and allowing yourself to recharge and replenish. So 
we incorporate that in, in the training that we do with the, the Mavericks, other people that are trained. And um, it gets tremendous results because, as you know, that if you do that consistently throughout the day, at the end of the day, you don't feel fucking run down and depleted. You still feel like you've got energy to enjoy uh, time with friends, family, loved ones. Um, so, yes, I agree yeah. with the documentary <laughs> replenishing. Yeah, no, definitely with like these days with technology and sort of phone, social media, and for a lot of people, they're not, say, um, using it to be of service but they're using it for information and input just even getting likes and comments and being a part of that sort of like so each time you get a you put something out or you like something and you do doing this you're constantly getting that little fix it's like a social interaction digitally that you know is programmed into our nervous system to feel like you're actually contributing or you're a part of something um and i remember i went back to england after not being there for quite a long time went to see my friends and one of my friends was on his phone just going through his feed on facebook and i was like i've been looking forward to seeing you and i'm getting like near to no engagement with him he's sort of nodding his head and saying yes but his eyes and his fingers stuck to his phone scrolling through for like the whole time i was with him and i didn't get annoyed or angry at him i was just fascinated with the experience i was having um but that is a big sort of thing i see a lot of people are addicted to their not just their phones but the actual process within their phone that they're using it for and they've put in as a pattern what, what would you say to someone that say has um them form of issues of some form of like an addiction and they just don't even know where to start and how to break this pattern to put themselves into a, a rested state to not be um to let their dopamine to relax sort of thing to be in that recovery mode and allow it to happen where would be a starting place for someone well for that for that specific person they would need to ask the question you know i know it might sound like i'm being vague here with it but they need to have the want to to make a change if the question of change doesn't come up to them then uh, and i'm trying to uh, orchestrate and change things it's a waste of time and energy and i'll not get anywhere other than frustrated in myself whereas when the question is uh, flutters from the person that wants to have a significant change, then um, then true change can begin. Does this make sense? Yeah, no, it yeah. does to me. Like so, I say, if you have, you haven't got that will, um, you're just hitting a brick wall trying to tell someone something. Yeah. Now, what, what we with, with each individual is kind of like a different starting point from each person. But like when they have the realization that this is not what they want to do, and then they find a, a thing that I really find very helpful for people if they have a clear direction of where they're going, what they're wanting to try and accomplish, what is the direction? You know, flow and focus are best of friends, they're partners. We need to have a certain amount of focus. Our our um <clears throat> Our uh, focus, attention, our conscious mind is really limited by the amount of information we can take in. So it's very important that if we're wanting to uh, accomplish anything, uh, whether that's a deeper connection with ourselves, we need to have a certain amount of focus on something, a direction to it. So if this person that uh, asks the question for change finds the need for change and then has a direction to work towards, then there's flow can be found along the path of that. And then, as you know, 
the more they walk down that path towards something, they realize that it's not actually the direction, the destination, but the destination is in the action, is in the journey of it all. Yeah, like you said, that's being that present moment and definitely where, where focus goes, energy flows. And the, like I said, I find for a lot of people, like I said, they're, they're waiting for, they're living in the future. And it's something I dealt with for a long part of my life, having had so many ambitions and having so many obstacles in my current moment that I then was fixated and focused only on the future. And I was like, oh, when everything's fixed, when this is done, when I've accomplished this, when I've done this, then I can feel good. Then I can feel something. And I didn't realize how sort of that was causing me so much suffering in the actual moment I'm in, the journey I'm in. I'm suffering because I'm waiting for all my expectations to be fulfilled. Um, and it was breaking that pattern for me that allowed me to enjoy the ride, enjoy the journey. Love the journey. Uh, and I've seen obstacles of not within myself, but with what I witnessed with others is trying to tell someone to be in the moment being met with that that's you have no ambition and no like you said no no direction you're just completely open and carefree and i'm like no you're more productive and you can have your ambitions have you found that being an obstacle that trying to explain to someone to be in the flow and be in the moment um, is unproductive i think um trying to uh, i think there's an art in guiding an art and teaching an art and expressing ourselves and I think a lot of people have tasted the flow. In fact, I know, I don't think, I know everybody has tasted the flow. I know everybody has had a moment of presence, a moment of where they felt at one with whatever they're doing, unified with everything. I know this has happened. And really, the job for me in the beginning stages is to, uh, is to get people to remember that. Remember that they've done it before and get them to connect to that sensation, that feeling they had in that specific time, and use that uh, as a catalyst for them to start making movement towards it all. But in that movement, a lot of the things, as we spoke about earlier, about the, the martial art background, there has to be a sort of warrior mentality of yourself because um, the call of old patterns are always present. So when you start making traction towards uh, uh, this um, new version of you where you are more attuned to flow on a regular basis, the old patterns and behaviors are still shouting your name. And if you give them attention, if you turn your head, um, you could easily go down that pathway. So you really, people need to get the idea that this direction that we're talking on isn't a walk in the park. You do have to develop this sort of uh, wise warrior mentality. And when I say wise warrior mentality, there's a time to fight and there's a time not to fight, but both are advancing yourself forwards. Sense? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, definitely. And um, actually, it's, it, I've started writing a book like a year ago and I still haven't uh, got it down. Like it's a long process and I just keep adding to it and uh trying to get all, the, all these ideas out and it reminds me of what you were just saying then i actually named titled it after sort of um to bruce lee's g kondo because his is the way of the intercepting fist and i titled my book the way of the intercepting thought because what worked for me during my process is witnessing my thoughts but learning how to actually have an intercepting thought that i'm not fighting it but when these old patterns come up i have the constantly optimizing the most intercepting thought i can have as quick as possible to 
change that of that state and intercept it before it actually hits me and contacts me. But I'm not throwing the first four out. I'm not throwing the punch, sort of say. I'm always in an interception moment if that arises, but without staying in the fear of that it could arise. It's just witnessing when it does and if it does and having the sort of tools to intercept it. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Very nice, man. Very nice. Um, what would you say, like, so you're putting this out online. Can you just give me an example of how you do this with your clients? Like, are these one-on-one hour sessions? What's your process? Well, I have uh, I have a lot of things on there. I have uh, e-books that people can buy that focus on different aspects of getting into flow. One for heart rate variability, breathing, meditations, physical activities, productivity tips. All are easily downloadable ebooks to to um, uh, so people can you know start off straight away. But then I have a program called the Mavericks, where I have a number of options inside there, where um, myself and my coaches uh, customize people's approach to get into the full state. I think we've uh, shared that. Uh, everybody's journey is unique and individual and our job is to help with uh, expressing that individuality in whatever field they're going to be going towards. So we do a combination of one-to-one calls, a combination of group calls, um, but it all depends on what the individual is looking for. We establish accountability um, and consistency through the dashboard that we have, the website we have, the the app that we have, where we can keep uh, people accountable, um, make them feel guilty if they don't do what they're supposed to do, <laughs> things like this. So that yeah. that's what we do uh, in there. Yeah, nice. And where where can people find you? Where, where is your website? And what is where? What's all your digital space? So I have a couple of websites, uh, but the one you can find most of my content on is cwilsonmelonjelly.com. Um, you can also find me on Instagram, same name, Facebook, same name, and YouTube, same name. So see Wilson Melon Chili. Yeah, and I'll make sure I'll put it in the link in the description so people can just click it and find their way. And that's I, I always recommend to people to follow as much content online. If they're even if they're not gonna participate in following or um say looking for someone to pay for something, like just getting the input and the information and being in that presence as often as possible or things that are about growth and expansion in your life, I think it's also a good place a good place to be. Like we were talking earlier on social media and people having addictions. I was like, if you've got a problem or you've got anxiety about social media and coming off of it, maybe just start a new profile where you only follow people that are going to give you influence and growth in your life. Man, uh, like, I agree. I mean, I have a lot of stuff on YouTube and Instagram that people can use for free to keep them all uh, accountable. So there's a lot of information out there. But no matter who you are, it's always very useful to have a coach in your corner just helping along the way, giving you feedback and direction and guidance. If you look at all wise men, if you look at all martial artists, if you look at all athletes, entrepreneurs, business, whoever it may be, they all have people around them helping, guiding them. They all have coaches, they all have motivators. It doesn't mean that they are any better. It's just having somebody else assisting on the direction. So yes, all the content on social media has to be digested and utilized, but uh, for really taking catapult steps forwards, 
whoever it is, somebody just watching your back is is priceless. Yeah, definitely. Okay, like and I don't mean that, and, and I'm not meaning that. I want to be clear. I'm not meaning that as a salesy type of thing. I genuinely believe you can you can get the same experience if you went to a martial art club and your coach was a great coach to be able to look over your shoulder with all. You could do that with your partner. You could do it with your friends. Um, if they are all co- coherent with what you're trying to accomplish, um, so don't please don't misunderstand. It's not like a sales pitch. I'm just showing the value of having other people uh, aware of where you're going and supporting that direction and helping point out pitfalls and obstacles as you progress forwards because they're inevitable. We're all going to find these pitfalls uh, on the direction. It's nice to have somebody that's walked a similar path saying, watch out for that hole. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think there's a, there seems to, I'm not sure where it comes from in people, whether it comes from some sort of fear or something, but with our, say, friends and family, I've noticed that a lot of people don't share their real dreams and ambitions with them, whether there'll be fear of rejection or something. Um, but when they, say, get a coach or, like you said, go to a gym and they have an instructor, I remember when I was a personal trainer, people would confide and share things with me that they've never told anyone else. And when I started this podcast, I thought, you know, I'm going to start. I interviewed one of my oldest friends, one of my best and oldest friends of like 20 years. And in the podcast, I got to find out so much about him that I didn't know that he's never shared. And he even told me one of his dreams and he kept putting it down and saying, oh no, that's just like a pipe dream. That's just like, oh, that's just what I'd love to happen. But it's, oh, it's a dream. It's a dream. It's a dream. And he goes, I've never told anyone. And he was so nervous. <laughs> and I think like you said, when someone's got when they reach out to someone and they have someone, they can actually really express what they what they want with less hesitation. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, the last two years has been a, a strange uh, turn of events externally for many. I don't think there's anyone that's not been affected in some way. How how has this last two years and the pandemic like affected you internally and externally? Man, we we created a baby. So oh to be honest, the pandemic has probably been good for us. <laughs> How old's your child? Yeah, our baby is uh, eight months. So yes, it all happened then. Um, <laughs> so again, <laughs> go back to what we spoke about before, maybe finding opportunity and not being able to go outside. Thankfully, it was just one kid. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, the difficulties with it, again, I don't want to sound too much like who is this guy what is he talking about but I, again I, I've managed because of what I do I've managed to reach and communicate with more people around the world I've managed to help more people around the world with what I do uh, and during all that time this uh, pandemic has been going on so again I, I really do find that, sure enough, that there's been a lot of things that have restricted it. When I look at it and reflect on it, I've managed to help communicate and have people help me during this time. So if anything, maybe it's brought out a lot of um, things that have been uh, suppressed by a lot of people. Um, a lot of people are maybe having enough is enough. Maybe what we spoke about your, before about your friend on the social media and how maybe didn't have the question. Maybe a lot of people now are asking the question. Uh, enough is enough. Now's the time to make a change. Uh, so that's really my, my reply to your question. 
Yeah, and it's definitely, like you say, it's definitely put for a lot of people. For a lot of people, it's put them into pain and suffering. And for a lot of people at the same time, it's made them open up, you know, because they've, they've never spent that time to really be with themselves for some people or to look at things like, like I said, for early in my life, it was the chaos in my life that gave me a sense of awareness uh, that I only could appreciate later on more so. Like at the time when you're going through certain things, all you can feel and see is the pain of the suffering. But when you realize and you can look back at an event and see, wait a minute, that pain and suffering was actually growing pains. You know, that, was, that wasn't things. And I think for a lot of people now that it's gone on for so long, a little bit more than the two weeks that people were expecting, that they're getting to see some of the uh, growing pains and no longer just the pain of the event. From all the people I've spoke to on it, like people have had such beautiful experiences of change or they found the opportunity from the event. You know, and it's not that they don't think the events are terrible, but it's like it happens. So what can, what am I going to do about it? What am I going to think about it? How is this going to make me grow? How is this going to make me of better service? Like you said, with online now, um, what a beautiful time to be able to connect with people because so many yeah. more people are online. It, the technology is there. Why not use it to serve? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree, man. Yeah, and um, so what, what would you say to someone that is still, say, struggling with the whole external chaos that's happening right now? Is it, And they're looking for change. They've already set their mind. They're like, they want to change within themselves. Um, would there be a certain task, like something simple, something practical that, say, not digital or anything? Like, is there physical things? You no, know, like you talked about trying to have the rest states and, and uh, with your dopamine, but so, there's something small, really small. So, um, I'd say something that's really small, but something that if applied is really big. So, um, to get yourself into a a peak state, to get yourself into an optimal state, and that could be a peak state in uh, what looks like a dangerous situation, but it can also be in a peak state when you're walking in a field. Um, Regardless, you have two branches of uh, in your nervous system. Sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. When you're in a state of flow, when you're in the zone, when you're at one with what you're doing, there's a progressive push and pull between those two aspects of your nervous system. Sympathetic is fight or flight or freeze. Parasympathetic is rest and digest. You're always in a slight progression, always. So when you breathe in, it has a sympathetic response on your nervous system. And when you breathe out, has a parasympathetic response in your nervous system. So if you're wanting, if you catch yourself in a stressful state and you understand that when I breathe out, it's going to stimulate my parasympathetic nervous system, then I know what I can do is, is that I can breathe in for two seconds and then breathe out for four or six seconds. And in doing that through repetition, eventually I'm going to be able to calm my nervous system down. So things like this is exercises you can implement straight away to be able to change your state by using your breath to doing it, by using your own controls to do it, the breath. And a way to further enhance that is only breathe in and out through your nose. When you breathe in and out through your nose, it acts like a vasodilator. It doesn't act like it is a vasodilator, which means it opens up all your blood vessels, which means it will create a better flow uh, of a, a better flow throughout your body. And then the last thing to add on to it, so you're breathing, 
you're changing the ratio of breath, so breathe in for two, out for four or six. You are only breathing in and out through your nose, okay? Then what you want to do is you want to pretend that <laughs> you're breathing in and out only through your feet. It's like, maybe this isn't a good example to have over the radio, but it's like you're having, your nose is at your feet. <laughs> so you breathe in through the soles of your feet and out through the soles of your feet. So all your awareness and attention is at your feet, not up at your head, not around your nose. You know, that's where you're breathing. But all your attention is at your feet. So to instantly change your state and tuning your station towards the state of flow, you can. This is assuming that everybody's stressed, right? So <laughs> you can uh, be aware that two seconds in, four seconds out or six seconds out or longer will help stimulate your parasympathetic nervous system by breathing in and out through my nose could be better for your system. And then also uh, breathing in and out through your feet is going to take your attention away from your head, away from up and put your attention down at the floor grounding you. These are some tips that you can implement today and it'll have a significant change in what you're doing. Yeah, nice. Yeah, nice, perfect. I guess it's breath work and, and doing things like that and being conscious of my breath work has changed my life unbelievably. And it's something that I put a lot of content out on because um, it's something that we're already doing. So if you can just take a little bit of conscious awareness to it, you'll be surprised at the results, you know, and the actual impact it has. Yeah, it's very, very powerful stuff. Uh, simplicity always uh, always wins. Uh, that's really the key for it all. It's when we try to overcomplicate anything. Less is more. And the way we could accomplish less is more is having been doing in that period of time that we have. So establishing less is more, having a direction and implementing simple techniques like what do we eat? How do we breathe? How do we sleep? Where do we sleep? What do we move? How do we move? <laughs> All these simple things. It can make a significant change in our lives if we have the courage. Yeah, definitely. I know you said you don't spend a lot of time, say, in the past, but let's see if you can, how this question resonates. Uh, what do you think, say, your younger self, let's say 15 years old, if they were to meet you now today, what do you think they would think and feel about you? I think they would smile. Nice. Um, because I... Uh, I mean, right at this moment where you're asking me this question, I feel that my 70-year-old version of myself would say, thank fuck, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I'm in the pursuit of being, uh, I'm in the pursuit of constantly trying to be myself with ups and downs, with falls, with trips, with breaks, with everything. Uh, I'm still on the pursuit of, I'm still in the pursuit so I think it would be refreshing from or, or great for my 15-year-old version of myself to see myself and think, okay, maybe that 15-year-old kid would have more confidence at that age, even more confidence at that age, to, to uh, be yourself without the boundaries and limitations. I mean, mm -hmm. that's really what it is. It's supposed when you get to a certain uh, age, whatever you want to call it, um, I feel like you have less obstacles in the way um stopping you being yourself 
Does that, does that answer yeah. your question? No, that does. Yeah, no, it's nice. Like, yeah, I always like to hear that <laughs> what people, uh, they said what the younger version would think of themselves because for the most part, they genuinely would be very happy and surprised with who they've become, you know, and appreciate who they've become and who they are. Because when we're that age, we have so many ideals and visions and we're forced into concentrations of what we're meant to become, how we're meant to behave and uh, lots of conditions in our life, you know, and when it's, it's a lot of pressure for being that age. And I imagine now for people that age that that might be amplified just because there's uh the the online digital sort of presence of everything is like more peer pressure um so what's what's your you said you've got a few books that you've already published or you're in the process of books can you tell me a little bit about the the books you were talking about well the first book i wrote was called uh the mind of an adult the heart of a child and um it's on amazon um, I have a book called Breathing and Flow, a book called Heart of Flow, a book called The Flow of Productivity, and a book called, uh, well, Superhuman Code, but it's a heart, heart of flow state, a combination of different things. Um, so I've got these books, and right now in the process of writing a book about nutrition and flow, uh, how to use uh, food as fuel for uh, you to get into flow. So... These are the books that I've written. I mean, we're not, we're, you know, I'm not going to win. Uh, uh, I'm not going to win any uh, significant um, awards for it. However, I do know that the material had to be put out, and I do know that it has had an effect on people. Um, so it has had change in people, which is why I did it in the first place. Well, apologies for my dog. He's just seen another dog, and he's going a little bit... <laughs> We, we've got a, a dog we rescued a dog and um then we ended up rescuing a cat and he's very protected protective over the cats so now another dog's come along he's letting them all know that there's a dog about <laughs> and, um, i have uh, it's been i really appreciate your time and hearing what you've had to share and i have a few short fun questions i end every interview in uh, do you have a moment for them of course yeah, so the first question, relevant to what just happened with my dog, if you had to choose one, a cat or a dog? Dog. Yeah. What's your favourite colour? Is black a colour? Can I say black? It's not really a colour, is it? Um, red. Um, what, what excites you? What motivates you? Mm, love. What does the opposite? What turns you off and gets you down? Um, uh, things blocking my flow. What sound or noise do you love? Um, uh, my son's voice. Oh, nice. And what sound or noise do you not love so much? So the one that I don't love so much is the same one I love a lot for the day. Uh, my son's voice at three o'clock in the morning. It depends <laughs> on what time of day it is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> depending on day is the most beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. What do you What do you love about yourself? What do I love about myself? Yeah. I suppose what I do. You You suppose. Yeah, well, I, I, um, I've never asked what I love about myself. I sound like an asshole, everything. 
No, that's fine. Yeah. That's, like I said, it's, it's interesting because there's a lot of people there. Society conditions us that it's a vanity to have some form of love for yourself. Yeah, it's, mm. um, you know, that's part of being in flow and it's part of life. And if you can't be in love with yourself, you're going to struggle to be in love with anything else. <laughs> yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah, what do you love in other people? The sparkle in their eyes when they realize mm. something. Oh, nice. And the last question is, what, what do you love about animals? Now, this can be pets or animals in nature. What I love about animals? Uh, I suppose um, the, how they will protect um, their loved ones. I mean, even all animals will protect their youngs, all animals, your dogs will protect you. Uh, I suppose that would be something. Oh, nice, yeah. Very nice. Well, it's been absolutely uh, beautiful and, and great to just connect with you and to hear you. And I really wish you all the best. And I look forward to following your content and just seeing you grow and develop and have an impact in the world. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure speaking to you, Luke. Uh, it really was and really is. Uh, and hopefully our paths will cross again in the future. Yeah, I think they sure will. Okay, man. Thanks a million. Take care, eh? Uh, you too. Thank you so much for being here and listening to The Selfish Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Greenheart, and I appreciate you being here. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel. Just search Luke Greenheart on YouTube. You'll find me. Check out my website, lukegreenheart.com. Have an amazing day and stay tuned for more episodes. I'll be interviewing guests on their path of self-development, their path to self, getting to know them in much more intimacy, much more depth, sharing and connecting with all so we can have a much more blissful, joyful and productive life together. All right, much love. Have a great day.